I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. friends. Happy Wednesday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today I am answering your questions texted in to the podcast phone number, but first today's rosebud and thorn. My rose is maybe one I've done before, but is still the one that I'm feeling. And it's that I've officially brought my iced coffee set up to the office and it makes me so happy. If you're wondering, I use the Starbucks Blonde Roast iced coffee. I really like it. And then I use the Chobani creamer with sweet cream. And I just, I am a use a ton of ice and I do the blonde and then just a splash of the cream. And that cream is so creamy and thick that you don't need much and it is so good. And I'm really looking forward to afternoon coffee today. My thorn is that I accidentally put post pandemic on something recently, which is kind of a pet peeve of mine because the pandemic's not over. I usually, what I mean when I say post pandemic, I say that is post quarantine because if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that like I was Before getting vaccinated, I was so quarantined. I didn't see anyone. I didn't go to the grocery store. I didn't do anything. I didn't leave my house other than to go to my office, which I worked at alone. It was like very, 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 very different lifestyle than I'm able to live now. Even though I'm extremely careful still, I'm definitely much more flexible as you know. But anyway, I put post pandemic on something and I was really embarrassed. (laughs) My bud is back to school shopping. Next week is our last week with the kiddo of summer before he goes back to school. And we get to go pick out his backpack, pick out his lunchbox, all of that fun back to school stuff, which we didn't really do last year. So we're really excited. I'm really looking forward to it. Okay. So friends, we have three really good questions today. So we're going to jump on in. The first question says, my name's Claire. First of all, I love the podcast. Thanks for making it. Thank you, Claire. So this past year I came out as queer to my Christian family. Ooh, that's hard. It went badly and led to lots of emotional abusive language, which between that and COVID led to me having what my therapist called a major depressive episode. On top of it, I started working remotely on a computer and my field is nonprofit, which has meant lots and long of long, stressful days staring at a screen. And so many things kept popping up all year. Just this past week alone, my partner had to go out of town for work and then our pup got an open abscess in her side and then my phone broke and then my aunt commented about how my Instagram post kissing my partner was harmful. Oh my gosh. And on and on. Anyway, all this to say I'm a seven. This year has been challenging on lots of levels for a seven. For some, so for someone who naturally always looks on the bright side, this year has really forced me to get in touch with hard things and grief. I guess my question is threefold. I've been through hard periods of depression before, but nothing like this. I wonder if for lots of sevens, do we go through a period that really sort of cuts us open? I've heard before our journey is one of the most visible ones. In lots of ways, this is how it feels. It genuinely feels like I've lost myself in some ways. And my friends have lovingly and caringly said, I seem a shell of myself. And the second part is this. So I finally established boundaries with my family good job. I put my in my notice at my main job, the one on the computer, and the sunshine has returned to where I live. Basically, I'm going to have more space and time and warmth. 
I feel desperately in need of reconnecting with myself, the fun-loving seven, but I think there's a part of me that's scared I won't be able to or won't know how, so how can we as sevens who have really had to step into our grief and face hard things allow ourselves to recultivate and fun and joy and freedom in our lives that has always come so naturally to us in the past? And how do we start to reckon and reconnect with this new understanding of ourselves and our lives that's maybe not the version of it we always saw it to be. Thanks and sending love and light to you and your new office. Sorry, this is so long and rambly as most sevens I'm good at talking. <laughs> well, Claire, I am so honored that you shared your story with us and that just to get to like he with you and witness this is so powerful and beautiful. So thank you. I also want to say I relate to what you're sharing so much. You are not alone. 2020 was a year for all of us, but I think the sevens, it's, this has been a deep year of growth for a lot of sevens out there. So I see you, I'm with you and it's totally normal and totally okay that this is a sad season. And I think, you know, we're kind of in this space of how do I get to know myself here? Because when we are on our Enneagram journey and something kind of takes us out of our automatic response state and we start to do something differently, it feels foreign. It feels a little scary, right? It feels like, what if this is my life forever? What if this is wrong or bad? Or what if I'm never happy again? It can kind of arise for us. But also we're meeting a new version of ourselves. We're meeting the part of ourselves that can handle grief, that does know that the world is complex and deep and that looking on the bright side doesn't always fix everything. I'm just gonna apologize if you hear the background noise because things are happening, but I wanna keep going, so we're gonna roll with it. Yeah, so there's an element of like, we need to get to know ourselves again. We're re-meeting ourselves as if for the first time and that is a worthwhile exploration. And also this process isn't on a timeline. You don't have to feel better tomorrow and that's easier said than done sometimes. Like I think if we think that our worth is in how happy we are, what we bring to the table is our joy, then it feels weird and difficult to be in a bad place. But also there's an element of feeling like our kind of focus of attention is on like how happy and how satisfied can I be? And that just may be not it right now. Like maybe your focus of attention needs to shift or can shift away from like, how good can I feel to how well can I tend to myself today and let that be okay. But that doesn't mean that this is fun or that it's easy. I just want to be clear. It sucks, <laughs> but also it's the best way through it is to be as gentle with yourself as possible, in my opinion, and to not rush the process of your grief or your healing, that it's totally okay if you have a long time of being sad. But I also will say, I think there comes a moment when you're done, when you're like, I'm ready to experience life again. This process isn't what's nourishing for me anymore. What would be nourishing for me is kind of bringing back some of those habits, some of those positive routines. And I think you'll know when that time is here and it's not forced. It's kind of like you 
are feeling the truth of your experience, you're loving yourself in the process, and then one day, the way to love yourself in the process is simply to get up and get back to it. And I will say, I found it really helpful to name my feelings as they arise. When you feel a dark feeling or you feel something intense, just kind of saying like, sadness, rejection, loss out loud honors the experience that you're having and and it doesn't rush you through the process and also I think a good episode you may have listened to it before but I did an episode called seeking happiness and it details my personal experience as a seven with grief and the process of dark emotions and kind of that pendulum that I went on of going from you know everything's great all the time to how will I ever feel like myself again? And kind of like my journey back into a healthier state of being positive without it being toxic. So I hope that that is helpful as well. But in general, this is a beautiful thing. It's also a terrible thing. And that's also okay. And I honor your experience. I honor your brokenness and the the place that you've gotten to here. And I don't want to say that like this pain even has to have a purpose this sometimes pain is just pain but also sometimes pain is the exact thing that breaks us open and allows us to step into the phase of life that is waiting for us but I'm sending you so much love Claire and just know that you are so okay and it's gonna be all right and it's also okay that it's not right now all right our next question is what specific growth work can social nines do since we tend to look more like a three our accomplishments can feel like growth but that can also be a blind spot not actual growth what is work we can do to really grow so i think the big thing here for our social threes is to remember that your behavior can look like a three, but your motivation and kind of like the thing that's causing the behavior is still nine stuff. So it's still about learning to say no, learning to prioritize your energy and your tasks, getting to know yourself, what you want, what you need, what actually feels good to you, what doesn't feel good to you and what your boundaries are. And it's also about like not numbing to your emotions, not numbing to life, letting yourself be impacted by life, experience life fully um, in the full range of good and bad emotions. The big thing here is that our social nines tend to numb through work, through pleasing the group, And so that's going to be kind of probably the area in which you're using to not feel your feelings. And so the work is really in letting yourself experience the truth of your emotions, um, letting yourself enter into conflict, have hard conversations, set boundaries that are necessary. And ultimately, it's important to get comfortable making other people uncomfortable, that you speaking up for what you need and want isn't actually causing harm to other people. It's really just about how can you advocate for yourself in the midst of your life so that you can live more fully and have a more honest experience with the world. So yes, social nines behavior is different, but the kind of root cause of that behavior is ultimately the same as the other nines. It's learning to say no, 
learning to prioritize, getting to know yourself and not numbing to your feelings. Our last question here is, I'm confused about growth via integration and disintegration. Using type nine as an example, I've heard both three and six being referred to as my growth number. Beatrice Chestnut calls six the nine's growth through stress number, but most other Enneagram sources call three the growth number because it's where we get go insecurity. Why the discrepancy in terms? So I think this might be helpful to go listen to the introduction to the Enneagram lines episode that I did recently, but also we're doing a series coming up where I'm going to go specifically four nines here where you get like a full detailed episode on your type itself. So just keep that in mind that there are resources that go deeper than I can answer in this particular episode, but there's just a couple of things to note in your question. First, integration and disintegration are actually outdated terms at this point. Russ Hudson has kind of said we've stopped using those terms years and years ago. And for some reason, they're like modernly used by certain teachers and coaches. But I'm personally not a very big fan. The idea of disintegrating is pretty intense. And it's actually not an accurate description for how the lines work. So when we think about the lines, it's not really about growing to a healthier level. It's more about showing where stress is in our life, showing where rest is in our life, kind of how do we navigate self-care and stress, in my opinion. So when it comes to the way Beatrice Chestnut discusses growth through stress, what she means is that this number is an invitation into what challenges you, you know, what can cause you to grow. If, it, if you feel stressed here, you can kind of work with that to grow intentionally. It kind of prevents you from being stagnant and can like kind of knock you out of a sense of stagnation. Now, when it comes to security, the way the lines really work in my opinion, again, I'll say my opinion because everybody kind of uses different language and talks about it differently. But in my opinion, the way we think about it is for nines moving to three, this is your way to kind of get some deep self-care, to really tend to yourself on a deeper level, kind of like a whole deep rest. When nines tend to struggle with taking action, putting themselves out there, having kind of a strong identity. And threes are really good at putting themselves out there. They're really good at taking action on the things they want to do. They're very future focused. And so you can kind of tap into that energy to bring yourself some sense of self-care. The other side of this is also that it can be where you go when you're maybe on autopilot, like accidentally overworking because you're not paying attention to how you feel, accidentally focusing on your achievements as a sign that you're not numbing to life when in reality you're still you're just using your achievements as a source of numbing so it can go to both sides it can be a really positive thing or it can be a sign that you're really stressed out like you can use the high end of it or you can use the low end of it and the same thing goes for type six you know kind of moving to type six can be a sign that you're really stressed out but you can also use the high end of type six to bring some peace to your life long term like using that reliability using a healthy sense of skepticism, having the ability, like learning to create and stick with kind of consistent routines that support your day-to-day functioning. Those are all really great six strengths that you can utilize in your own life. And just thinking ahead, being prepared, all of that's really beneficial in preventing stress. But then on the low end, being really anxious, worrying a ton about the future. I think for nines, a lot of times it's worrying about future stress, fear that something's gonna overwhelm you or stress you out or you can't handle it. But also, 
kind of being more skeptical, keeping people at arm's length, these can be signs that maybe you're in a season of stress. They can also be signs that you're, you know, you can be stressed out when you try to live in this way too much and more so an indicator of just where you're at in terms of temporary emotions and, if, and experiences rather than like if you are healthy or unhealthy or if you're on your growing or not growing. Again, in my opinion. But again, I would go listen to that intro episode and then go listen when the time comes. It'll be a few weeks, but the nine episode will come out and it'll go into much more detail about what this looks like for type nine. But I hope this was helpful. I hope it was a fun episode. And if you have Enneagram questions, if you want me to answer them, please make sure to call or text your questions in to 828-338-9127. And as always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I will see you tomorrow for the next episode. Mm